Welcome into DTC, your fearless leader, Joe, on the microphone this Friday afternoon, recapping all things DC sports, and of course, getting into some politics as well with my man, Steve. Say hello, Steve. Hey, Joe. Hey, hello, everyone. Love the Week in Review shows. I know. Okay, you you kind of live for these. You kind of live for these. And, and I, I, I feel I'm, like we I'm should a... go backwards. Should we go backwards? Should we do the... No, no, no. Let's, let's just let's stick to the plan. We'll do the Nats first. We'll talk about Mad Max. We'll talk a little bit about JR not being able to read, not being able, you know, not being fully aware of where he is and what he's what his job is uh, at any point in time in game one last night. We're definitely going to talk about the Caps and how crazy DC will be tomorrow night as they bring home uh, game one, or sorry, the first game in DC, game Joe, three. Joe, yeah. Hot, hot off the wires. Who's performing tomorrow? Okay, our version of Imagine Dragons. Who? Mambo Sauce. Shaggy. Uh, see, I kind of wish they wouldn't do that. I, I wish they would just like Mr. Vegas. Boombastic. Vegas is where you fantastic. go. You know, uh, thank you. Why don't you sing some more? I think that would be great for. Don't radio, make me actually. sing Angel. Hey, don't make me sing Angel. Okay. Uh, okay, please don't sing anything. I think his famous, his most famous song to date, or in recent history anyway, is uh, featuring uh, Tamar Hosni uh, for all the Egyptians listening. Um, I, I, you know, he's no fallen off from I think the days of what you're referencing, but. I, you know, Vegas is There's where you go play. The, uh, DC's a business town. I kind of wish they would just walk in, you know, and just drop the puck and get going. I don't want to see it. They, they, I, the eight thirty starts are brutal. They said instead of a uh, performance, they should have people on the ice just handing out business cards. Yeah, do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. Or have four like bald eagles carry the American flag from the rafters and like do something like super patriotic. This is a business town. This isn't a, There's a this playground. Another so. performer called Sting, but I thought that was a wrestler WCW. The, <laughs> Oh, how, how out of touch are you? Although he hasn't been relevant in a long time, too. So, no all right, let's get into this rundown because we don't want to talk all day about non-sports. Let's do it. Let's go Nats first. So Mad Max is basically the best money bet in baseball. And, and I heard this on the Junkies this week, and I thought it was brilliant. If you just bet the money line on this guy every time he goes out to start, every single time, there's no way you're going to lose. You know, you put $5 this time. If, if for some reason he loses, you put 10 the next time, you're going to get it back every time. He is so freaking good. And I know a lot of people weren't paying attention to him the other night because it was Caps hysteria and we were getting ready for the Caps and Caps and Caps and Caps. But he pitched yet another gem, absolute beautiful start-to-finish game. I think he went eight and a, and a half innings. He went eight. Yeah, I mean, he... The guys, the guy is. I mean, we're watching somebody that historically we will remember this time and say, "What the hell were we doing? Not going to every every start in our park or any like." He's the guy that our generation, I think, and I don't think this is a stretch. He feels a little bit like Nolan Ryan to me. He's 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 or even Roger Clemens, you know, kind of in between the two. He's the guy that everyone has to see once in person just to say, "I was there when," because at any point in time, he can go he can go a full game. He can throw a perfect game. He he can do. He can. I mean, he's just really incredible, and it's because of him that the Nats find themselves where they are. So, you know, I mean, are we ready to start betting on basically on, on Max every single time he's out there? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, nine and one, 120 strikeouts, uh, under two ERA. I mean, the the incredible thing about Max is that he's gotten better with age, just like fine wine. Okay, this guy is getting better with age. I mean, he's 33, 34 years old. He's, you know, he's incredible. A two-time Cy Young winner, back-to-back. And now he's looked better this year than he has in previous years. And, you know, the 
only reason this really hurts, this whole conversation really hurts, is because every time I think back to game five last year, where they handed him the ball in the fifth inning of a decisive Terrible. game five against the Cubs, and 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 just havoc uh, ensued. So I, I still can't get over that, and I knew I wasn't going to get over that for uh, at least till next year's playoffs or this year's playoffs. But what he's doing is incredible. Uh, but he's just one-fifth of this starting rotation. Really, the story for the Nats is they took advantage of a cupcake schedule, whooped up on the Padres, whooped up on um, the Orioles, and uh, obviously they dropped one to the Braves yesterday, but before that they were back in first place. And that's really the story is that after all said and done over the first 60 games of this season, they find themselves in, in a, essentially a tie for first place after uh, you know they're they've been decimated by injuries. And the beauty is that next week we're looking to get back two of our big guns in uh, Adam Eaton and Daniel Murphy. Both of them are going to start a rehab uh, a stint, uh, depending on, on you know where, depends on the weather. Um, but both of them, Eaton's, look to be back by Friday and Murphy a couple of days after him. So right there you get two of your big guns back and you're, you know, 0-0. Zero, zero, you're, it's really the start of a, a new season. You got 100 games left. And, uh, you know, let's see what they, they can do uh, from here on out. But they've looked awesome. Pitching's looked awesome. Bullpen uh, has looked awesome. Uh, you know, some of the bats... You know, and these backups are just playing great. Defoe, Matt Adams, these guys have become everyday players, and they were never slated to be. So that's the story of the Nats. I mean, the Nats at some point, though, they're going to get super healthy, and Rizzo and, uh, and Martinez are going to have to make some tough decisions about who's going to take a walk, who's going to do a stint, you know, maybe stepping down into the minors, who's going to, I don't know, grace the disabled list for just some time. Because they, they have – I feel like they're going to get healthy all of a sudden – one shot all at, all at the same time. Yeah, well, well, the, the big decisions is um, Eaton in left field. There's a log jam there, uh, especially because you're going to get Brian Goodwin back. We haven't even talked about him. He hasn't played this season yet. So he's going to come back. Eaton's back. Um, and then because Juan Soto's been playing so well. So what do you do with Juan? Do you send him back? He's been playing so well. So that's a big question mark. And then the other big one that I think is the elephant in the room they're going to have to address is Ryan Zimmerman. Matt Adams is playing a, a wonderful ball. He's been the best bat that they've, the most consistent long ball hitter. You know, obviously Bryce is leading the NL in majors, but uh, NL in home runs. But Matt Adams is playing great. So what do you do with him? Do you really send him back for a struggling Ryan Zimmerman who really didn't show anything before he got hurt? So first base, left field, uh, those would be the big ones. And then, you know, Daniel Murphy will take back second base. And then you just get Defoe coming off the bench as a great, uh, you know, pinch hitter, pinch runner, pinch fielder, whatever you need. So let, let's – it doesn't sound like you're concerned the way you were a couple of weeks back at all, actually, about this what, team. What? I mean, they're playing 600 ball. What is there to be concerned about? I mean, they, they, the they were on a 10-game – time. The health has been an issue. The rotation keeps changing. You know, pitchers four and five are, are pitching better now. You know, look, they're, they're in a better spot than they were. The Mets have cooled off. The Mets are dealing with terrible injuries themselves. You know, Matt the Met kind of highlighted that last week, and he predicted too. He said they'll go into Miami, they'll win a couple games, and by this time next week, where we are right now, they'll be sitting at the top of the, uh, the standings in the NL East. So they're, they're in a better spot, start, you know, top to bottom overall. You can't take that away from them. The concern remains the same, though. You know, the bats do have a tendency – tendency to go cold Bryce has you know he's jockeying for home run lead he goes back and forth constant but overall 
yeah, as a Nats fan, you got to be encouraged. I'm not one to say that the Caps' good fortunes and, and the way they're playing is rubbing off on them. But I will tell you, I really like seeing when the teams kind of rally behind each other. And, you know, I know Harper is a Vegas guy, and I expect him to be a game three and, and rocking the, the Knights gear. And I'm, I'm personally, I'm okay with it. But by and large, you know, the from social media down to the most of the players, they're they are behind this team. And I think if you really caught Bryce in, a, in an honest moment, he'll tell you that it's super exciting and he's he's happy for what it's doing for the other sports teams in town. So I I like where the Nats are right now. I think they are. I think the the like I said, I think the the positivity and the uh, the mojo that the Capitals have brought over the last you know two weeks, I think it has rubbed off. I think there is something to be said about. You know, when you're when you're all in and supporting a, a team that shares the same city with you, you know, I think that good fortune has a way of, you know, the intangibles, you know, maybe not to say you're going to run faster, jump, jump harder, swing, fat, uh, you know, swing better. No, it's just there's a there's a little bit uh, there's a different, you know, strut in your walk, so to speak. And I think that is I think that's a good thing. And I, I like the fact that. Uh, you know, there's two things in particular that stood out to me this week. Obviously, the series with the Orioles. Um, you know, we don't see them often, if ever, and, and usually they're here. I don't even remember the last time we were in Baltimore for a, for a series of any, um, whether it was two or three. But I love the fact that we traveled. I love that it, that place was full of red uh, sweaters and, you know, yeah. wrong sport, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, there was Capitals gear. There was, um, I mean, uh, Harper jerseys everywhere. You know, yep. and it's one of these things where I just keep going back to Wilbon calling DC like a minor league sports town. And every time there's a rally in the streets after one of these fourteen thousand person viewing parties, I, I I just keep going back to that and I chuckle to myself like, no, this isn't the same town. Like there's truly something different right now. There's a different vibe in DC, and it's encouraging. I'm encouraged by it. Um. I was with you there until that last bit. Okay, I was, I was with you there. Isn't it kind of weird that we celebrated a game two victory in the Stanley Cup, like as if we had won the Stanley Cup? No, not like, at all. Isn't man. that kind of weird? Not at all. Like, no way. It's their first you're, you're, ever. It's their first ever win at this level. Oh, everything is going to be the first ever. Of course, of yeah, course, so everything is the first ever. Why wouldn't you celebrate? First time you touched the boob, you celebrated. First Look, time you held the of hand, course, you that's a much more okay. mon- uh, that's a much harder accomplishment. Okay. Well, <laughs> Anybody would, can win I the Stanley Cup. Okay, I would disagree. You, know, you remember my glasses, more. okay? Yeah, I remember the glasses. I remember your voice. I remember you know the awkward facial, the passive facial hair. So you know, give yourself some credit, but look, it's look, not look, hit in the face by look, uh, by another adult. We're we're killing the Vegas Knights, and I'm totally uh, uh, over Vegas and everything about Vegas. We're killing them for that stupid pregame thing, you know, dinner theater movie show that they do because they do it every game. I thought it was cool game one, but they do it every game, so that's kind of ridiculous. So, where this are we really going to party on the steps of the National Portrait Gallery after every game? Then it's gonna. Because even if you don't care about hockey, you want the federal government closed for a day. You want a day off of work. Yeah. So yes, I think the answer to your question is yes. We we will be out there, and if they win Game Three tomorrow night, you know, let's talk about this a little bit. Like you live in the city, are you telling me that you're not feeling a little different? There isn't a buzz around you. There isn't some excitement in the air, constant. Absolutely, I think. uh, And I live on the baseball side, but you go down to the Cap One Arena and anywhere around Chinatown. Yeah, I mean, it's all caps. uh, You know, the signs, the the posters, the banners, everything from businesses to restaurants to whatever. Um, So yeah, it it is uh, contagious and everything. But let's not kid ourselves. DC is a homer, is a front running town. We get behind uh, success and successful things, people. 
leaders, whatever. So all those jerseys that you see at the National Portrait Gallery, those are people, they still got their tags on the back, okay? This is a town that, not to go Wilbon on you, but, um, you know, not to be curmudgeon about it, but it's a front-running town, okay? We love our front-runners. We love, we, we totally kick aside uh, teams that aren't successful, and we get behind teams that are successful. We're, we love front-runners, uh, so I'm not knocking the fans, but all those, those tags are still on the jerseys at the National Portrait Gallery. That's what they are. That's what it is. But you know what? Let's enjoy it. We were too young to remember. I didn't go to the parade in 91. I'd like to be able to go to a parade in, in 2018 with my kid. That would be a ton of fun. I mean, these kids are going to grow up Caps fans. I, I truly do believe that. I think you said it, uh, if not last week, then the week before. I think, you nailed, I think you nailed it, man. Like, we grew up Redskins fans specifically because they were yep. a winning championship team with a pedigree, uh, not just in this town but across the league. There was Redskins fans everywhere, right? Well, right now we're seeing the, the resurgence or, the, 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 I guess, the, the surge of Capitals fans. And I think people that are casual, casual – uh, Viewers of sports, I mean, I'll, I'll put myself in that category when it comes to hockey in particular. I, I think we're really, in, like, I, I think it's good for hockey for guys like me to be really into this series and to really start to warm up to the, I'm not going to say I love hockey, but I'm getting really close, man. I mean, this is, it's an exciting sport. It never stops. Well, it's, I mean, I'm going to draw parallels to soccer personally. There's no commercial. Yes. Breaks. It keeps moving. You know, it captures your attention for, you know, literally for 20 minutes at a time with very short spurts of rest in between. It makes you appreciate how athletic these guys are. And you compare this to the nonsense we saw yesterday in the NBA. And I'm a basketball guy. We we all grew up playing basketball. And I think that's part of the reason why we have such an affinity for the sport. But the NBA is terrible. And the NBA has a really big problem. I Every time yesterday, Durant, who is 6'8 or 6'9 and 250 pounds, or Steph, who is bigger than me, or LeBron even. LeBron, who is an, it was a little, he's a refrigerator by comparison to most people on the planet. Every time they complain about, oh, he checked my hand. Oh, he touched my elbow. Oh, he breathed on me the wrong way. I'm, I, I, I chuckle, man, and I, I look at them and I'm like, like, how are you the same size as these hockey guys? Or maybe even a little larger. And complaining that someone's touching you. Like, I, the NBA's, you know, not only are they in trouble because it's the same terrible series for the fourth, se- uh, fourth season in a row, I think people that are casual takers of the, you know, casual viewers of both sports, I mean, you can see the stark difference and you can see the difference in excitement and you can see how the fans rally behind one and not the other. And that's not even including TV ratings, advertising, or anything else. Any, the MB, the uh, NBC is making a killing on the NHL and the viewership. Uh, outs- not just in D.C. and Vegas, but outside of both cities as well, across the across the country, the NBA is losing, you know, or their advertisers are losing a ton of money. ABC, ESPN, Disney are, are going to lose a ton of money on this package. You cannot sell these two teams as a rivalry. You cannot sell yes. that these are the toughest guys in the world because on every other night we're watching real, I mean, I don't want to say real men, but guys hit each other at full speed on ice. There's no comparison. The product is damn. the product in the NBA right now is lacking big time. I hate myself for this, but damn it, Joe, you made a good point for once in this. What is this? The 105th episode? Yes. That's 105th right. episode. Mark it down. Joe made a good point. <laughs> All of the arguments that were made for soccer going to grow in this country can be made for hockey. Right? We always used to say, oh, soccer is going to pick up because you know what? Uh, people don't like commercial breaks. People don't like uh, y- you know, the, the timeout. 
timeouts and all the stoppage and play and people like continuous play and the fast pace and all that. That's hockey. Hockey is I sit down for 20 minutes. There's zero commercials. There's like one commercial on a 20 minute break. I, I'm sitting down. It's continuous puck, you know, blue line to blue line, end to end, hitting, you know, scoring, whatever. And then for 20 minutes and then intermission, I stop. And then I get my cell phone and I'm on Twitter and I'm checking up on everything and I get caught up on everything. And I get to go to the bathroom. I get to have a snack and then back for 20 minutes and then 15 minute break. It's, it, 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 it's perfect for our generation, the way we watch sports. In the sense of we take in a lot of information, we take in a lot of action, and then we digest it in a, a kind of a, a large, uh, you know, over a large period of time over Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. And then we go back to it. So you're right. I mean, it's very attractive compared to the Bobo NBA finals that I refused to watch from the beginning. Me and my wife had a lovely date last night. I strolled in at 9.45, 10 o'clock, saw a halftime and, you know, was casually watching it up until about two minutes into the fourth when uh, J.R. Smith decided to uh, take over the game. Uh, so last <laughs> night we were talking about this very late at night, and I was disappointed, and I told the boys last night, it's hard to it's hard to sit around and wait to talk about a game where the outcome was, was basically inevitable. And it wasn't as close as the game. You know, the score doesn't indicate how not close the game was. But let's just talk about J.R. Because I, you know, yes, on the one hand, he may be stupid, or in a, like illiterate and not able to read, slash just completely unaware of where he was, what he was doing, and what he was supposed to do with the ball when he got that rebound. But on the other hand, the part of me, the conspiracy theory side of my brain is saying, you know, is this a point shaving, you know, toss a game situation? I, I think he's too stupid to actually toss a game. Like, I think he's actually legitimately an idiot and wouldn't be capable of understanding what a bookie or somebody that he owed money to was telling him to do in that circumstance. So I don't think he's smart enough to have, you know, thrown the game on purpose. I don't think he is uh, stupid enough to not know where he is and what he's doing. I'm really conflicted on this. And, and you know, I don't, I've never felt bad for LeBron James, okay? But yesterday in particular, watching that game from start to finish, I found myself basically thinking back to the decision, right? The decision was everything wrong with the NBA and everything wrong with... LeBron James and the fanboy mentality around him and the you know the 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 skept, the the spectacle that was his decision and all that stuff it's what made every, it's what made him kind of a heel or a villain last night watching him do literally everything for this team for the 6th or 7th straight game I'm not going to say I felt bad for him I don't feel bad for millionaires who play a, a game of any whatever the game is for a living but he is literally doing everything and he came within one rebound with three seconds left on the clock, or, or seven seconds left on the clock, from stealing game one and actually maybe giving himself a, a puncher's chance himself to win this series. And he lost that chance because J.R. Smith wasn't paying attention. Like, I, 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 it's somewhere between feeling bad and confused for him, but his reaction to J.R. Smith, his guy, his boy who's kept around for all these years, and partly because he can't trade him. I mean, my initial gut was, I can't believe I just saw that. That's going to go down in history as J.R. Smith's, uh, you know, greatest blunder. And there's a lot of them. And it's going to go up there with the C Web timeout. It's going to go up there in my book locally with the Joe Gibbs double timeout call in the Sha in the oh uh, Sean God. Taylor game. If you recall, we were there crying our eyeballs out <laughs> against the Bills. Uh, you know, so it, it's going to be forever associated with him and indirectly with LeBron as as maybe the one that got away. What did you well, initially think when you saw that? Besides, this is rec ball, church league ball type stuff. 
I'll give you a couple of thoughts, okay? And, and I, I do want to get to the LeBron thing because I have a lot of thoughts on LeBron. But uh, initial thought was uh, that he was backing out to find LeBron. But that was very clearly, uh, you know, LeBron was standing at the top of the key wide open. Um, you know who's really escaping any ire uh, after the game was Ty Lu. I mean, okay, J.R. Smith, like, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's he's he's... he's smart enough to do anything and to know anything about it. He didn't know the situation. Isn't that typically on the coach? I mean, I understand oh, you can't oh. baby these guys, but I'm saying like big moment in the game, Ty Lu should, okay, make everyone man up. Okay. Like, you know, if obviously they were going to call timeout after a make, but okay. If they make get back, everyone man up, LeBron, you got KD, JR, you got Clay, whatever miss timeout why didn't anyone call timeout lebron tried to call timeout but that was way too late it was probably like i, I think late. i think literally in that moment steve i think everyone froze i think everyone was confused when as he to what started he was doing. when he when he started to leave the paint right. and exit the paint area that was when everyone should have been calling timeout i didn't think they had a timeout left that's actually why i thought nobody had tried to call timeout they had a timeout left and lebron tried to call it at the end but ty lu was froze just as much as anyone else just because he didn't have a camera on him and just because he didn't have the ball doesn't mean he didn't freeze well, but, but so did lebron froze. lebron fro- everyone froze so. but ty lebron, Lue, right. LeBron was ty- trying to get the ball but i don't think so but we don't know what happened in that huddle he may have told them you know, if uh, if if our boy misses the second, if he misses either of them, put it back up. Like I don't think you would have to tell a professional who's been playing seven, eight years, nine, ten years in the league what to do with the ball if he gets a rebound in a tie game with three seconds left. You you put the you put that you put it on on the freaking goal. Like you try to you try to score. He the, the the funny thing is he didn't he wasn't trying for the rebound. It was a front iron long rebound that KD just mistimed. And he, it yeah, almost, it's actually, that, that's yeah, what I think Kevin caught Love, him by surprise. If Kevin Love had actually played for the rebound, he, it would have ended up in, in his right. hands. But, but it did, yeah, but, uh, but it ended up in JR's hands. And I think it took LeBron a good, I mean, these are world class athletes. I think he was legitimately confused as to what he was doing. And it took, you know, there was six, seven, eight seconds on the clock. It probably took four just to figure out what, what JR was doing. And then it took another two to scream at him to, to do something with well, the ball. And then there was, that was it. My my other thoughts were this game was not decided there. Like this game was decided by the referees before all of this. I think they missed a ton oh. of calls. They missed a ton of calls. They called a couple against LeBron that were just ticky tack fouls. Called a couple. Uh, I mean, they totally. Go, if you're gonna go conspiracy <clears throat> theory, then wouldn't the league want LeBron not, to win one? Look, ineptitude is not a conspiracy. I think. Look, my thing is bad well, calls happen. Still, do you think that was a charge in the lane? I think they called it a charge, and there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it i don't think he, he was definitely not in the restrictive area and i think it was very subjective it was a bang bang play they called it on whatever whatever the call in the field was they got to stay with it same thing you know call on the court same thing so <clears throat> that was ridiculous i think look bad calls happen i'm not saying bad calls don't happen but when bad calls all happen against one team then there is some type of bias that is being poured out i think they gave in to the home crowd and uh, I mean, LeBron a- as a- an athlete, I think this series, which potentially now could be a sweep, proves he's is going steroids. proves he's the greatest player ever. I think in defeat, 
he will prove that he... There would have been a time where I would have uh, challenged you and said you're stupid or anything else, but the LeBron of the decision and that era versus the Le- the LeBron we're watching right now... It's much more know, likable. Uh, not not just likable. And, and and I know you're a big LeBron Instagram like fan of what he does when he's in it's his amazing. Zero Dark 30 or whatever nonsense he calls it, but just as a player and as a, as a human, he's come around, and I, I'm not going to knock yes. anybody, but... As a basketball player, you know there was a time where it was laughable to compare him to uh, Kobe Bryant, and then it was there was a time where it was laughable to compare him to Michael Jordan. I'm not laughing anymore, and, and that's because you know there is nothing left statistically for him to do uh, to to show that he is on every bit as competitive, every bit as good as both of those guys. You know, and and I'm not I don't want to compare eras or the game or anything else. The game today is faster. It's, I mean, it's it's tougher to play. There's more players with talent overall, just top to bottom, every team, every roster. But for anyone to make it to the finals, eight straight years with two different teams over, you know, this this is really, I mean, I know Magic made it nine and 11 times. I know, yes, it's happened in the past, but it's really remarkable what he's been able to do. And frankly, I think now when people compare him, compare him to Jordan, I, I'll listen, I, I, I still don't agree, but... It's not as laughable as it once was. He is really, really just on a completely different level. And if there was a way for him to get, like, think about it. He single-handedly beat the Warriors last night in regulation by himself. If J.R. Smith gets a rebound, you know, gets, I mean, even the pass that led to the free throws was orchestrated by LeBron. He literally does everything. You know, it's it's truly impressive. I, I hated LeBron just as much as anyone in 2010. I loved what the Mavericks did to him. Uh, against the Heat in the finals. I, I was cheering against him. He's been a, a big rival of the Wizards, of course, for forever. So I've totally come around on him. And I think the, the irony of all this is LeBron is, I mean, you, when you go to championships, LeBron is going to be the victim of his own creation. He created the super team with the Heat. That's right. And now he's going to fall uh, prey to them. Uh, you know, at least uh, this will be the third time he'll, he'll fall prey That's to right. the, the super team. So I, I don't care about titles anymore when you talk about LeBron's greatness because he's never Jordan never had to face a team like no, the Warriors, which is like just this. unfair. No, it's, it's, nothing like this. Nothing like this. But you know, I, I mean, are you giving the, the the Cavaliers? You think they'll get one game, two games, or no? Or you think it's done? I think their their game plan all along was to steal game one, split. In, in Golden State, split in Cleveland, and then games. go put all your chips in Game 5, try to steal one, and then try to steal one of the last two. I think that's that, actually was, the Capitals' game plan as well. I think they wanted to split in Vegas. They want to split uh, at home. You know, but I think that's the same game plan. But, uh, you know... That's so, the way you win. A, a under, that's the way an underdog wins a, a seven-game yeah, series. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't disagree at all. Our, our boy you try Canada, to catch him by surprise in Game 1. Yeah, our boy Canada, you know, when we started... This is about a week ago when we had him on, and he was talking, he was like... The way these teams stack up against each other, if it if it ends up being at the time they hadn't played Game Sevens in either conference yet, he said if these teams end up meeting each other, I'll take the Warriors in three because they're just that good. You know, it, it'll just be a mercy rule call and just end the series in three because yeah. they're they're just really, 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 really good. Um, and when they start, it, the the irony to me is that their bench is terrible, and I hate the fact that Nick Young and Javale McGee are going to have, uh, or Nick Young is going to have a ring and Javale's going to have two. I hate that. I, I, I truly well, hate that. But yeah. I, I, I just Draymond Green on the Wizards would be Ian Mahimi. <laughs> that's that's just what it is. It's just what it is. Uh, well, so neither one of us really think that LeBron has a chance in this. But I, I will continue to watch. No, he'll, he'll win MVP though. With him, it, he'll win MVP. 
You know, before before that before the the postseason started, I would have said it's hardened by by a mile. I don't think so anymore. He, oh, he no, just no, no. does I'm, it way I, more. I meant I meant finals MVP. Oh, and, lose and, lose and the a series, defeat. but win the MVP. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see that. To be honest, I'd yeah, love to see. I that. think that'll happen. He puts and, a couple other forty point games. That'd be that'd be a strong move by the league too to, to show them that they're it's yeah. not just like they even in a loss you can win an individual accolade. Um, yeah. All right, last let's get into some social topics here because there's a lot that happened. Do you want to start with uh, Rump meets Trump, or you want to do uh, some Oberman Lebron? Uh, sorry, Oberman uh, Roseanne controversy. Which one do you want to go with I, first? I mean, well, I think there's Rump all around. When you talk about Roseanne. Uh, let's do Rump and Trump. Did you see that meeting coming? What do you think about you know? What do you think about Kardashian's uh, takes on prison reform, meeting the president I, in the I, Oval I, Office, like? What was your initial thought when you saw the, the pictures and that they had a meeting or that they were scheduling a meeting? My initial thought was that he asked her to play Melania for a day. <laughs> you will be Melania. <laughs> There's an Arabic word for what, you, for what you're insinuating, which is whistle. Uh, but, okay. I, I was shocked that someone with that type of star power, you know, basically took a meeting with the president knowing that social media which skews which is not a representation of the population skews so sharply uh, liberal that you know I'm surprised she took a meeting I, I really am I don't I'm surprised the president also took the meeting why why is she so invested in prison reform I I have no idea maybe she was listening to some music and it sounded like they needed it needed to be reformed I, I don't know is she don't is she friends with Meek Mill do I know who Meek Mill is you know of a Meek Mill you know that he was in prison and released is, and he's a is local he friends with Bob Craft he's not I'll be do you know who Pusha T is no it do you know sounds who Drake familiar. is uh yes does he is he married to Doris Burke they are that is incorrect <laughs> sir but Pusha T and Drake apparently have been going back and forth with diss songs and the only thing I care about from that oh, although God. one of them was pretty good but the only thing I care about that what uh, you know the last time LeBron was not in an NBA finals we didn't have Drake there was zero music from Drake that's how long ago it's been that's how long it's been that LeBron's been playing for championships you know in year back to back to back to back to back years so okay, so let's let's pivot off a of rump and trump, and let's go to uh, the Disney Roseanne uh, Ambien tweets, comments, whatever, on the heels of Keith Oberman being hired back to ESPN, which is uh, you know the parent company, uh, Disney's and, the parent company. And Samantha B. Yes, um, this is his fifth stint, I believe, at ESPN. The guy, the man, is a vile human being. I don't care if, what your politics are. If you just look, we posted it on the DTC. Uh, Twitter feed. It's on. There's a whole uh, post on it on the website as well. He's just a vile human being, and it's not that everything. Uh, yes, everything is directed at Trump specifically, but just the, you, these are things you wouldn't say. You wouldn't tell people you you should have been abor- Your mom should have aborted you, and it would have been better for the world. Uh, you know, if you had never been born or you had been aborted, like you can't say that to people. But he's on record saying it consistently and a lot. We got a snapshot up there. You can go see it for yourself. Anyone that isn't familiar with Keith Oberman and the nonsense that that he thinks is acceptable uh, for uh, you know common discourse, but he is hired back by Disney uh, to work at ESPN, and what two days later, Roseanne is fired from the network from ABC from Disney slash ABC. Her show is canceled because she tweeted uh, a comment about Valerie Jarrett comparing her to uh, you know, a monkey and a racist and, comment. It was racist. It was stupid. But it, I, I'll listen, man. I'll, I'll. I'm a First Amendment guy. You can say whatever you want, 
but you got to be. Oh, like, I can't Keith Olbermann say whatever he wants. You can't, but a network like a network like Disney can't or ABC, whatever the parent company, Disney, which owns ABC and ESPN. You can't have a policy in place where you reward the liberal guy who's slandering and taking shots left and right, vile shots at the president, and then fire the conservative who takes a shot at, you know, uh, a liberal, uh, I don't even want to say, she's not, Valerie Jenner's not a hero, but a, a liberal figure, right? So either they both get well, to say one, whatever they one want. one was on the company dime, one wasn't. I mean, this was before Oberman was hired. No, no, Roseanne but even, hold on, hold employee. on. No, but Oberman said this stuff while he was employed Previously, remember his terrible talk show where it was, you know, we're talking about the sports and politics. He had like a thirty-minute sitcom. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, no. It, this is not. This is not new. And Disney's done this before. You know, Jamel Hill says the president is a white supremacist. She stays on the six o'clock Sports Center. Uh, Sage Steele says, you know, uh, she's a conservative. She gets bumped off of the jump to some other show. Uh, you know, Michelle Beadle says. You know, all white men need to shut up, and and they're just slave owners or whatever. She but, gets but, promoted to get up on ESPN and that terrible show. But in Joe, you're, you're, hold on, hold on, I'm not done. Kurt Kurt Schilling comes out and says that he's opposed to the North Carolina transgender bathroom law, and he gets canned. So, and not to mention, and the worst one of all of this is Doug Aldler. I don't know if you know this one. He's a he's a tennis commentator. He had the 25 year career at at uh, ESPN calling uh, tennis matches. He made a reference to guerrilla warfare which is spelled different than a gorilla, the animal, uh, in talking about, uh, I forget which one of the Williams sisters was like charging the net, and he was saying, like, these are tactics you see in guerrilla warfare, and some nutbag thought he he was using the different spelled word gorilla, like the animal, in describing her, and he was fired for that. Like, he needs to sue ESPN, and he needs to bankrupt them for slander, because... I mean, that's somebody who doesn't know how to spell or the difference between two words. But there's a consistent, there's a consistent bias at ESPN slash ABC. The conservatives are silenced slash fired, Joe, and the liberals are rewarded. Okay, but I'll, I'll I'll give you that. But I'll go back to your argument about Colin Kaepernick, which is a private business can inherently have any uh, inherent bias that they choose to. So if they choose to, uh, you know, treat liberals and conservatives differently. I agree. They should explicitly state it, and it's it's hypocritical to say that they treat everyone fair. Fine, but if you're saying it's unconstitutional or it is, you know, an infringement upon freedom of speech, well, then I would say the same thing. That, that's a private business. They can do whatever they want. If you're on their dime, they can choose to limit your freedom of speech. Yeah, but this isn't a freedom of speech thing. This is a this is a we're firing you because you have an opinion of X, Y, or Z speech. The, I'm saying they're allowed to create their you know system of, of what they believe to be acceptable behavior i think most americans though, NFL, would look at it and say either either everyone gets to speak their mind or no one should speak their mind i mean you would you would understand that right i mean you uh, you you're, you're, you're you run a business i mean you're either going to allow everyone to speak their mind or you're going to say no not not all things look, are allowed. I, I i think the larger problem the contextual problem is that twitter is a cesspool of this kind of behavior where this kind of speech and this kind of language and this kind of Tweets and stuff happen every single minute by just vile creatures. So when a celebrity or when a public figure, you know, gets down in the muck with these guys, then it becomes a story. But really, the story is we've created a, a, a cesspool of communication and speech where, you know, this is just par for the course. Is, isn't that the bigger story? I mean, that this is just like if, if you go on. You know Twitter, and you look at the comments that that these guys are getting. I mean, 
it's Twitter is a it's terrible and it's not a representation of the populace it's it skews sharply one way you know you can only have opinions that it, are... it skews extreme it doesn't skew right or left it skews extreme okay that's fair uh, you know given what you know do you think firing Roseanne and I'm not buying the ambient nonsense do you think firing her and all the people yes. that work on that show was a reasonable outcome yes do you the think only hiring do you think hiring Keith Oberman back to that network no. Okay, so we agree. The only, but firing Roseanne because the only thing that matters is dollars. And if they saw, uh, if but, they played the tape till the end, they would see sponsors being pulled. No ads way. Being no. Pulled. So that I, I actually dollars. disagree on this because her, where's her, David Hogg? Her show, her show led. I mean, ABC was desperate for a primetime sitcom to to pull numbers. They have nothing outside of Grey's Anatomy and a couple old time shows and The Bachelorette and whatever. But in their sitcom department. Roseanne came back. It was supposed to be. It was slated for a limited run. They ended up extending it to a full season. It crushed everything. It crushed everything in the demo. So they're losing. They're for sure losing advertising dollars because the show won't be there. I, I agree with you. Maybe a subset of the population would have tried to boycott the show or whatever. But by and large, the viewership of that show boycott the sponsors. Whatever. But they. This is like the O'Reilly thing a few years back before he was a. You know doing what he was doing or before he was exposed to being just a creep sexually assaulting right? women you know they would groups would come after him all the time and go after his sponsors and you just find new ones because he was a ratings bonanza Roseanne was a ratings bonanza and if this if this had continued you, that show was watched in large part by not millennials but conservative people our age who grew up with the show so i don't think that viewer that viewer base was going anywhere based on her comments or non comments but you know regardless i think it is an interesting topic um, but the double standard is shocking, and I, I think most Americans would be okay with or or ask for what Clay Travis put at, you know stated as just an equal employment policy when it comes to social media. Either everyone's allowed to use it to say whatever they want, or no one's allowed to use it to say whatever you want. And if you do use it inappropriately per company standard, either way, doesn't matter what your political leanings are. X, Y, and Z are the uh, the ramifications of such outcome. But you know, it's it's just it's shocking to see ESPN hire a guy who's so vile and fire a lady. You know who said vile things herself, uh, not to the extent Oberman has. The double standard to me is bothersome, but you know I, I certainly see your point as well. You know, may, may may we destroy all of Twitter? Uh, yes, but the stock is doing well, so let's uh, let's keep it rolling a little bit. You know, I'm making hey, some job, good money hey. on Twitter and WWE. Everything we can agree on is uh, jobs reports looking good. Hey, we're in the business to make money, not make friends. So let's make more money. I got nothing else, Stevie. What do you got, baby? What do you got? Anything? Anything? Final thoughts? Nothing. It's uh, it's a pool day today. Oh, let's do it. Good for you. Get out there, and enjoy it. We finally have uh, some some sun, so yeah. uh, get out there, and enjoy it. Thanks for making time, Stevie. Love these weekend reviews, man. I do. It's good seeing you. Let's go, Caps, baby. Game three. We'll be down there somewhere downtown, not in the stadium. I don't believe in the arena tomorrow, but find us uh, if you want to. Any fan interaction? Anybody want to write in? Chime in? Call in? All that stuff. We'll be covering the game very closely tomorrow. I'm sure we'll be at the steps. Uh, I expect you out there, all right? <laughs> Minor League Sports Town. Uh, but for now, for Stevie, my name is Joe. Thank you so much for listening. This has been DTC. Have a great weekend. We will see you all downtown tomorrow for the Caps' big win against the Vegas Knights in Game 3. Until then, be safe, and we'll talk to you later. This has been DTC. We are out. <laughs>